I'm Sienna. Oh no, I missed it. Okay, go ahead. Hey, I'm Sienna. And I'm Madison. And you're listening. <laughs> hey, I'm Sienna. And I'm Madison. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Hi, I'm Sienna. And I'm Madison. And you're listening to the Just a Person podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Just a Person podcast, a show that explores life's highs, lows, and in-betweens. I'm Madison, and congrats, you've made it to our last guest of the season. This week and next week, we'll be talking to my cousin Sarah as she describes her lifelong struggle with medical issues, beginning with her first surgery at age 7, up till now her 27th surgery at age 31. She talks about being diagnosed with several illnesses and how she balances them while still living the life she wants. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy! Sarah, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. So Sarah is my cousin, commonly mistaken as my aunt, my mom, my sister, my friend, self-proclaimed hero and my savior, my idol, as she likes to call herself, but just my cousin. (laughs) Wow. What a lovely opening. (laughs) All those are all very true. (laughs) She is my mom, my sister my aunt, all of it. (laughs) Yes. All right. So I'm going to ask the question, the opening question out of the hat. Are you guys ready? Mm -hmm. Yes. What is your absolute dream job? Oh gosh, this is the worst question for me personally. (laughs) Like this is going to like paralyze you with fear. You have no clue. (laughs) This is like my worst nightmare being asked. What do I want to do with my life? That is literally going to send me. I'm orbiting into a crisis right now. <laughs> I am. Oh my gosh. What is my dream job? <laughs> okay. Well, you guys, you guys definitely should start. Um. <laughs> Sarah. I went to college to become an athletic trainer. I just switched jobs from being at a high school to uh, being at an orthopedic office. And I love it. So I guess. I, well, ideally, my dream job is to stay at home and do nothing. Sure. But if I had to go into the workforce, I'd be doing what I am now. <laughs> I was forced to work. <laughs> Literally me. <laughs> I guess my dream job, I would say, would be to just vibe. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. What does that mean? ideally ideally I would love to like have a job where I can just sit outside all day in like a really pretty scenic place um maybe able to read some books talk to some cool people I don't know if I can do that for a living but ideally that's what I would like to do okay so take that for I guess what it is (laughs) figure that out for yourself (laughs) Um, I think my dream job, and I've said this several times, is to get an ice cream truck, just drive it wherever I want to go. I love making ice cream, did it for several years in the summer, and (laughs) I would love to do that. That would be so fun. That's not the answer I was expecting. That, that's my like that's that'd be the life for me just to to live out of an ice cream truck yeah yeah dream lifestyle living in the middle of nowhere <laughs> okay just in isolation <laughs> there's oh nothing wrong with you today <laughs> honestly though <laughs> 
Anyways. <laughs> okay. Let's move on from that. Okay. So I think we're we're gonna be having Sarah as our last guest of the season. And Sienna, you might be wondering to yourself, why? Why, why do we save her for last? That's a great question. Well, because <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Okay. Okay. There's a lot in this story. Um, so Sarah, why don't you just take us? Take us to the beginning. All right. Well, I had a really good childhood. I had really supportive parents, really great extended family. That's how Madison and I are so close. And I do get, um, I guess, perceived as her mother a lot of times. And that makes me feel even older. But in the same case, I have great extended family great parents, great siblings. Um, and we're all very close and we've always been that way. So as a child, probably since as what my mom has told me since I was born, I've had medical issues. I mean, I came out not breathing. I was tested for cystic fibrosis a couple weeks after I was born. Um, thankfully I don't have that, but that was a question for them. And then probably starting when I was seven, I started having um, like abdominal issues and stomach issues. And that brought me to having a multitude of surgeries. How many, how many day. are we at? Like, let's just, there's a lot. <laughs> so as of March, I, I just had another one in March. I think I'm at 27. Oh, wow. Um, and they range from knee surgeries to hip surgeries to a lot of abdominal his or yeah, a lot of abdominal surgeries. Oh my gosh. I feel like my, uh, my stomach's kind of a cutting board at this, at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was, I mean, I always thought it was normal. I thought it was normal that you went to the doctor, you know? every month or every two months. And then people are like, no, I haven't been in the doctor in years. And I was like, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> so I, growing up, I thought that was a normal thing, um, but it's not. I say that all the time to people. Like if anyone in our family has a medical issue, it like, it doesn't face a single person that no one cares. Like if you're sick, no one cares. People, people care, but it's not like, it's not like, whoa, so shocking. Like Sarah and I have logged so many hours just sitting in hospitals with people in our family for surgeries or whatever, whether it's her or somebody else, like it's not surprising at yeah, all. Dang. And I think that that's weird. Like, I also didn't realize that mm -hmm. until I started talking to other people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 27 is a lot. So you had your first surgery at seven? At seven. Yes. And I had um, my tonsils out. So it was pretty okay. like normal, like yeah, little kid mm -hmm. thing. The one that wasn't so normal was when I was 10, I had acid reflux really bad. Like, I mean, throwing up every other day. So they had to um, do surgery and they cut me open. I mean, I had this long or long scar down the front of my stomach when, when they did that and they went in, they found that my stomach was pushed to my back. So for the surgery, they needed my stomach, obviously, to where it needs to be, but then to tie it around the end of my esophagus to stop that reflux. But um, so they had to pull that 
to the front where it should be. Did they know that your stomach was there before going in? Or is that just a little surprise? Like no, a little... <laughs> that was a little surprise for them. <laughs> okay. They, they had a, a nice little uh, <laughs> surprise when they got in. Um, I think it was a two hour surgery or supposed to be a two hour surgery. I ended up taking, I think six. And then I, I had an allergic reaction where I was pretty much dead at one point. Um, my heart did stop during the surgery. Yeah. Yep. Because of this allergic reaction. And so it took, a, it took even longer. And so as you can, you know, as you would assume, my parents were like, what is going on? Nobody's informing us. She's been in there for six hours. Like, how is this happening? And then finally, after that, my, my doctor went and found them and was like, yeah, um, she had a little bit of an issue when we got in there. They're like, well, what kind of issue? I mean, and I think in so many words, he said, oh, she pretty much died and then came back. Yeah. Her heart stopped. Did they have to like, what, like resuscitate you or did it just like restart? They, they pumped more, um, like antihistamines in to start it back up again. So it really wasn't like full on needed to CPR, that type of thing, but it was Mm -hmm. enough to be like, oh, well, her heart has stopped. And then once that the medicine actually hit, then it started going again. Wow. Was it, did, did you have a reaction to the, um, What's what I'm looking for? Like the, was it the anesthesia? No, no, actually it wasn't. It was, um, so they give you, when you have surgery, they give you like, they give you an antibiotic and most of the time they give you like an over-the-counter uh, pain reliever to kind of just start it off. Well, they gave me ibuprofen, which is a normal, like ibuprofen, Tylenol, those are all pretty normal. Um, well, I had, a, that's the reaction I had from it. And so from that day on, he's like, do not let her have any type of ibuprofen or Motrin product. He's like, it will, you know, send her into some anaphylactic shock. So since then, I haven't been able to take any, any type of anti-inflammatory drug, which (laughs) is tough for having what I have now is not being able to take that. So that was a, that was a big probably my biggest surgery was that one. Cause then I was in the hospital for about four days after I had like a stomach tube going down my, my nose and into my stomach to drain everything out. And yeah, so that, I mean, that's pretty intensive for a 10 year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was it, and like you said, was it supposed to be that like big of a surgery or no, they, they knew it was going to be big because I was younger And because they actually had to open me up. So that's more Mm -hmm. invasive versus like a scope. Yeah. Like a scope, just having little incisions. So they knew that I, you know, it was going to be a bigger surgery, but they had no idea that this is what they would see when they find out when they put me on the table. Yeah. They would have to rearrange your organs and that your heart would stop and that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if, if, uh, you know, if we're going to be honest here, that was pretty foreshadowing of the rest of Sarah's life up until this point, uh, just little nice surprises here and there (laughs) like that. (laughs) Uh, so let's, you know, let's move on to Mm -hmm. middle school. (laughs) What are we, where are we at then? Um, middle school. So by that point, how old are you in middle school? Like 12 to 14 I don't know something like that okay so I was probably at 
surgery number five or six at that point. My big one, I ended up like uh, <laughs> my scar kind of pulled apart. So I had a revision. So they went in and cut the scar to make a new one. So I had a couple revisions. So that made up a few surgeries. And then middle school, I would say was halfway decent for me health wise. I mean, I had my normal health ones. I tried to play sports and had, you know, the asthma that unfortunately like our whole family has, but I did play sports throughout middle school and felt pretty, pretty decent. High school was different. I mean, I, I tried to do sports, but I just couldn't. I had some heart issues, I guess, um, where I was put on different monitors for months at a time and just to kind of see what was going on there, which they really never figured that out in high school. (laughs) Let's just say in high school, they didn't do that, but probably my senior year of high school supposed to be like the greatest year. You're going to have so much fun. I got so sick, so sick. I mean, to the point where I was like, and when I mean sick, I don't mean like throwing up or like a cold. I meant my body hurt. It was tired. Like I could just, after school, I'd literally go home and I'd fall asleep for hours. And finally my mom and dad are like, what is going on? What is happening that you are feeling so terrible? And we got, I went to a doctor and he's like, no, 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 you're fine. You know, you're just stressed, you know, all this different kind of stuff. I went to him probably three or four times. And by the fourth time he was like, listen, this is all in your head. Like you, you know, you got to stop thinking that this something's wrong, all this different kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, well maybe it really is. Yeah. So I feel like if you have a medical professional telling you that it kind of makes you doubt yourself. Like exactly. Did they ever do anything though? Or he was just like, no, this isn't like, he just listened to you and he was like, no, this isn't real. Yes. That's pretty much what he did. I was lucky enough to have a teacher who was kind of going through the same thing as me. And I was really close to her because I, I did a lot of different um, extracurriculars. I was talking to her one day and she's like, oh, Sarah, she goes, I really think you need to go see a rheumatologist. I said, oh, geez, what is that? You know, like, what is that going to entail? And she said, I think that you might have what I have and it's called fibromyalgia. And I was like, what the heck? What is this? <laughs> and they're like, well, they, you know, there's no cure for it, but they can treat it. It's just kind of when you when your muscles in your body just hurt, there's really no rhyme or reason for it. So at the time, it was right when school started my senior year. And I didn't turn 18 until October and they, he didn't take anybody under 18. So I waited till I was 18 to go. Is there a reason that they don't take people under 18? I think because if it's a, like a bigger rheumatology problem, then they want you to go to a pediatric who specializes in like children. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was kind of in that, that middle space I was in that middle ground of okay why don't I just wait because you're not a child but yeah you're gonna be an adult soon (laughs) yeah exactly so I waited I waited till I was 18 and I went and he was like oh yeah he did a whole bunch of tests he uh, moved my body around and he did like these pressure points tests and then called my mom in and was like, yeah, the, she has fibromyalgia, no doubt. There's pressure points that they push. And depending on the reaction you get from those pressure points, 
will depend on if you that's kind of a test for if you have it and she's like he's like he she got you know 10 out of the 12 he's like we're gonna still do some blood work to see what's going on and so she was like okay well what do we do now and he's like well there's really nothing other than (laughs) anti-inflammatories that really help and so of course I couldn't take those so I was kind of stuck doing Tylenol which is fine but never really calmed anything down is Tylenol it has no anti-inflammatory properties nope nope okay and that's what you really kind of need yes and that's what they really need because your 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 system's kind of on overload Mm -hmm. and it's inflammation that kind of takes over and I probably got that way because I, I wasn't taking anything when, you know, like when I hurt myself in school or, or just stuff like that, where I couldn't take that stuff. So he did, he also did some blood work and I had what they call a positive ANA. So he explained to me that he goes, okay, you have an autoimmune disease, but it hasn't shown itself yet. So I was like, oh, great. That's something I get to look forward <laughs> to. So scary. Like there's something coming, but it's not here yet. <laughs> <laughs> Do they know what autoimmune disease is at all? Or are they just like sit back and wait and see? <laughs> oh, stay tuned. <laughs> we're getting we're, we're getting to it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So they, they did that test and that blood work and so I just, I kind of like freaked out and I was like, you know, what do I, you know, what do I look for? What? And he's like, I just don't worry about it right now. He goes, it's just something that I've never had that blood test before. So it could have been, I could have had it when I was, you know, seven years old and just again, ha- it hasn't shown itself. I started to feel a little bit better. Um, I did go to college And I lived there, but like just the, I wouldn't say normal stuff happened in college. Here's okay. So earlier when I said, um, Sarah would like try something and then there'd be like a fun little terrible surprise (laughs) waiting around the corner. So (laughs) Sarah did, um, just randomly did rowing in college. Um, she was on the rowing team and she was like having a good time, all good. And then one day they get in a boat accident and she gets a concussion. Didn't you like break a bone or something else as well? You I, got hit with a paddle in the head. I, yes. I, well, it hit me in like the back and I broke a rib. Hit your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. His stomach right. burst. <laughs> my stomach burst. No, um, I got it. Our practices were at like five in the morning and how I got into rowing, I saw a, like a brochure and, and they're like, no experience needed. And I was like, oh, cool. Perfect. Like I can do it. <laughs> I can do this. And it was probably the hardest, but most gratifying thing I have ever done in my life. It was so fun, but it was intense. Like you had to, we practiced all year round, whether it was on the water or on like a rowing machine, like you had to get certain times on the rowing machine. And then we would have, you know, competitions. We would go and like in the fall was um, like our long distance ones. And then in the, (laughs) in the spring was like your sprints is what we called it. So like you were going at a fast pace for a long time. So, I mean, that's where I, I, I mean, I had a great time, but yes, <laughs> it, was just, it was, 
our the boats got too close and their their oar I was in the back and their oar got caught on my back which broke my rib caught on my back and like stopped their boat (laughs) and it stopped our boat as well um and then yeah like kind of flung my head back and like I like hit it on the the side of the boat so that was fun (laughs) yes that was interesting for real but um (laughs) And then I would have done it throughout college, but of course, here's a little another surprise. As I, towards the end of the year, I dislocated my shoulder doing it. I don't know how. And then I ended up having surgery that summer um, on my shoulder to kind of tighten everything up. And um, there started my, like my heart issues, I guess, kind of eased into that. And like my heart rate was so high. They're like, what is going on with this? That they couldn't get it down, couldn't get it down. Um, what, like, what was it beating at kind of? So for probably a year after that happened, my heart rate, resting heart rate was about 160. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's like, you're in the middle of running high. Yeah, exactly. And so we went to a couple different cardiologists and then they sent me to an electrophysiologist who really took a took a dive into my history and everything like that and they're like, "Yeah, we need to we need to stop this." And um I was like, "Yeah, because I can barely <laughs> function because my heart's going so fast. It's like I just ran a marathon." And plus I'd be nervous if you're like working out, would it get even higher like can yeah, it get so getting dangerously high I don't think what it's not supposed to go above what it's like 220 minus your age <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how you calculate it you're like maximum <laughs> yes essentially yeah and I was already at that like just walking yeah so they are like no like for that whole year they're like I don't we can't have you going you know and working out and doing all that kind of stuff and I was like okay great so that took out the rowing part of it. So I wasn't allowed to row anymore, but I probably went like that for a good year and a half because I think I was a junior in college. Just with your heart rate being that high? Yep. Because they had to try, obviously you want to try different medications first to see if that can drop it Mm -hmm. Um, and then go from there. And my doctor's like, no, this has gone on too long. Um, The medicine isn't working. We're just going to do a cardiac ablation. Is that not kind of damaging to your heart though, to have it go on for so long like that? Yeah. Yeah. It just, the muscle, I mean, it's a muscle. It just, it gets tired. What's a cardiac ablation? So a cardiac ablation, I had that my junior year of college and, um, they go in through your groin. This was after a couple different, um, heart catheterizations where they go also go in through your groin just to look at your vessels and, the different parts of your heart to make sure there's nothing anatomically wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't find anything. They didn't find anything. Okay. So I guess at this point, did they have any idea what was causing it or was it still a mystery? Pretty much what they called it was inappropriate sinus tachycardia. So my sinus node was doing things it wasn't supposed to. Okay. So they said, we will go in. Um, and what they do is they, burn a little bit a little bit of your sinus node so they're burning your heart so they they go in through your groin and go up 
and they can't put you to sleep because your heart rate will drop and they need to see how like where you're at and then how it's going to affect you once they burn it. So basically she's awake and they're burning her heart. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Through her groin to her heart, burning it, trying to kill, like, are they just trying to make it, it makes it slow down basically? Like, are they trying to kill off some of the. They're trying to make scar tissue. Okay. And with that scar tissue, that will help it to slow down. So they, they went in and they burnt it and I felt it. You literally feel like. Like you're burning a heartburn from the inside out, <laughs> literally heartburn <laughs> like it, it. And then once they saw the reaction of it, which it dropped immediately, then they could put me under to do the rest of it. So I had to be awake till that point. And then they put me under so that they could look around to make sure everything was all right. And then be able to actually pull the catheter out and, and do all that kind of stuff. Cause that obviously was painful, but yeah, for those, for that, couple 30 seconds where they were burning the actual part of my heart they're just sitting like or laying down and just yeah I'm just <laughs> laying there and like you really you have oxygen on and you really because they're like don't move don't move and we're like yeah because you're gonna burn my heart right now <laughs> like this is not okay yeah yeah you have to probably be laying so still because obviously you don't want to move and them to like burn anything they shouldn't be burning, but also you're terrified and it probably hurts. Exactly. Oh yeah. And I, and like I did, I did really well. I stayed as still as I could, didn't even move. Um, like as I was, they were asking me questions and I kind of like just looked at them and then I had like tears mm -hmm. rolling down my face and the, and the guy was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. We're almost done. We're almost done. Like he felt like, cause I obviously was trying to be as still as I could be and all I had were like these tears coming down yeah and um they're like they're almost done and then they're like right when he he goes right when he's done I'm gonna put you under and I said okay <laughs> thank <because>. god <laughs> yeah that's what I needed at that point and then I think I was in there for probably an hour longer but so if you could tell the problems are kind of migrating north on her um in her body so when do you go to the Mayo Clinic and why Wait, I guess, hold on. Could, could we go back at this point? What has happened to like all the other issues? Have they kind of resolved that you were experiencing when you were younger in like the middle school and that early high school ones? No. So they're still, st they're still there other than like my surgery, correcting like my acid reflux. That was good. That's, you know, that's been something that's kind of been steady. Throughout. So no, no more stomach problems at that point. Um, you had your appendix out at one point, probably your gallbladder, right? So yes. like, you know, whatever. We'll yeah. Skip so over throughout, um, maybe I think in middle school, maybe in middle school, I had my gallbladder out because it was just like burning. Sure. And then in high school, when I was a junior, um, I got really sick and actually had appendicitis for like a week. Like I, I finally went to my surgeon, the one who has done all the previous ones and I was like, something's not right. I'm in so much pain. And he goes, okay, do you want to go to the hospital tonight or meet me there tomorrow morning? And I was like, um, I said, okay, tomorrow morning. And when I get in there for that, he's like, if we would have waited another day, this would have burst and you'd have been full of infection. Yeah. Awesome. So, so yeah, so all that, so non-vital organs are out at this point. Okay. Were you still feeling really like sleepy and like how you said, or just like really sick? Oh yeah. Yeah. I still felt, um, like my body just hurt. Like I really, it just was like constant 
muscle aches and I tried, they're like, Oh, exercise will help. So I did exercise after, after I had the ablation, um, I started exercising again, not anything crazy. Cause I wasn't supposed to just kind of like, cause they're like, once your blood gets flowing, all this different kind of stuff, you'll feel better, which I did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I too wanted to go to school to be a doctor, but with all of that stuff going on through college, I couldn't, I couldn't take the stress of like the hard classes and all that kind of stuff. So I really, um, my sophomore year, I really reevaluated what I wanted to do with my life. I still wanted to be a healthcare professional of some sort. So I went the route of athletic training, which is pretty intense program, but it was something that like I got into the program as an undergrad And then you do the two years and, you know, if you pass through that, then you take your boards and all that kind of stuff and you can work after college. And that's what I, you know, I got into the first couple like intro classes and I really enjoyed what I was doing. And I've always liked sports. I was never very good at them, but my sister was. So I watched her do all of this and I, and I was like, Hey, I, I can do this. I can watch sports and be with injuries and all that kind of stuff too. So that's the kind of where I went with that because of what was going on in my body. Technically, I always felt like, Hey, I'm a 21 year old, but I have a 90 year old body was essentially what it it felt like all the time. So where are we at our timeline? (laughs) Um, So let's just skip. So we're, we're after college after your heart has been ablaze. Yeah. After that, did anything like big happen soon after that? No. Okay. No. So then you went to the Mayo clinic for some reason. And this is post-college. No, no, no. This oh, was this in, college. in college. This I is still this in college. After college. Okay. Okay. Is this after the heart surgery? Though? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I was, we're lucky enough to have a cousin who was a doctor at the Mayo Clinic. And she literally made all my appointments that she thought I needed and like arrangements for us to get there, which was great. Um, so I still was feeling like crap. I was so tired. They're like, well, maybe something's still going on with your heart. So, I mean, I went to um, a rheumatologist and a cardiologist and endocrinologist all at Mayo. They make all these appointments like right in a row with different tests. And that whole three or four days, I was exhausted because of the testing and the doctor's appointments and, and kind of all that. But the one that really got me was they needed to check my, like my, the way my sweat pattern was. So what they do is they, you're pretty much, you're naked. You take your clothes off um, and they put this powder on you, this orange powder all over you. And then they put you in a hot box and they make you sweat. And so they want to see what areas of your body are either sweating really, you know, profusely or not sweating at all. Um, and so I was in there for quite a long time. I mean, I sweat pretty easy, but my, my fingers and my toes would not sweat. They, and they kept on turning the heat up and up and up. And finally I like waved my hand. I said, I can't do this anymore. This is way too hot for me. And I had been in there for like a half hour. And so, um, they just, they have to take pictures and be like, okay, this is the sweat pattern, all this different kind of stuff. But after that, nothing really came of the Mayo Clinic appointment. They, they thought I had what's called POTS. So 
postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So depending on how my, you know, like if it was sitting down versus standing up versus laying down, they thought that all my symptoms pointed to that. And so I I did what they told me to do, dietary restrictions, um, all that kind of stuff. Increasing salt intake um, apparently really helps level everything out. I did all that and I still was feeling super crappy. On my way home from the Mayo Clinic, I pretty much passed out on the plane. I, I was exhausted. Like my, I literally felt like my body was numb and I just like slumped over. And from what I remember, they got me like, it was fine on the plane. Like I was breathing and everything and nobody really freaked out because you're on a plane and you're passed out. But um, when we got off the plane, like my mom ran and got a wheelchair and they wheeled me out to the car and they're like, do we need to bring you to the emergency room? And I was like, no, I just really, I really just want to go home and go to bed. And I think when I got home, I think I slept for like two days. Like my, and I still woke up and I felt terrible. Like my body just is like, I was like, what is going on? Like my body just feels like crap. Yeah. I guess this entire time, did you have any thoughts on what was happening? Like, did you have any guesses or? Honestly, I didn't. Cause I was like, I don't understand. Like every, every diagnosis that they gave me, I felt was, you know, appropriate at the time. Right now, looking back, I was like, oh, I should, you know, like this stuff should have triggered, you know, some different mindset of, hey, you know, maybe you should look more into this. But like at the time I was like, oh, yeah, like finally got a diagnosis. Like these things fit like, yeah, because I feel like all types of diseases can show themselves in like so many different ways. So sometimes when you get a diagnosis and some of them fit, some of them may not make sense, but you're like, "Eh, it could be like expressing itself a bit differently with me. And I feel like you seem like you have so many different like symptoms. Like, yeah. you know, it's hard. to. Yeah, pinpoint. it was it was crazy. But I, I still was like, OK, I'm going to give it a try because I at this point I was willing to try anything like I just wanted to, you know, like I'm a at that point I was 22 and I was like, I really just want to get on with my life. Like <laughs> I want to live like other 22 mm-hmm. year olds live. But I, you know, kept doing that again, still like very tired, all that kind of stuff for a couple more years. I was like, I don't want to do anything. I want everything to calm down so that I can finish school. I want to graduate and I want to go to my internship. And I went out of state for my internship for mm, probably three months. Again, I, you know, I was doing what I was supposed to do, but felt like crap. (laughs) And so finally, when I came home from my internship, it wasn't like, I don't know, a couple months maybe. And I was like, I need to go to the doctor. Like I, I had switched doctors from the one before um, and went to this new doctor that thankfully my sister, because she's a nurse, she was working for. Like her regular, just a regular doctor like that you see yeah. normally. Yep. He, he was actually an internist. So they thought that maybe with all my issues that I needed someone a little more in tune with deeper things other than just a family physician you go to for a cold or whatever. So I went to him um, and my symptoms that brought me there were like, I was starting to see like double vision and I was getting terrible, terrible headaches because of it. And I was like, at this point I go, oh my God, I have a brain tumor. Like that has to be it. That has to be what's causing everything. Like it's a brain tumor. So I go to the doctor and 
I tell him my symptoms and, and he's kind of like asking me different questions. And he goes, Hey, do you, you know, do you get numbness or, you know, tingling? And I said, Oh yeah, well, my right side, like my leg and stuff will go numb. And he's like, well, isn't that something you should tell your doctor? And I was like, well, yeah, but it's been happening for so long. I just, it, I guess it didn't even pop into my head. And so like right away he ordered, um, an MRI. He's like, we need to see what's going on. Um, so I got the MRI and I don't know, probably two or three days after that, he wanted me to come into the office. And I was like, Oh gosh, this is where he's going to tell me I have a brain tumor. Like I'm, I'm down now. Like this is the end, like freaking (laughs) out. So I made my Mm sister-in-law go with me because obviously my sister's already there. Um, and he, you know, brought me in the room and he goes, okay, we did find some stuff on the MRI. And at that point you're like, okay, yep. Just tell me, just tell me what I have to do. Like, this is it for me. Thanks so much again to Sarah for being the guest on our show today and tune in next week for part two of this series. If you have a story you want to personally share on the show or want us to read on air, find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Just a Person Pod or send us an email at justapersonpod at gmail.com.